Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. My gosh. You know, Coach Danger had that winning mentality, man. Coach Dan was just one of the first person, I would say, borderline just arrogant. You know, just that, that character. Hey, we good, man. Anybody who is um, not better than us, they won't beat us. But you're cold. you cold, man. You've been cold, you cold. Kids, kids. Jermaine been cold. cold. Now you kids. cold. Now you cold. Now you cold. We cold water. <laughs> <laughs> right, y'all get, get a room in. Come on, and bro, we used on. to kick it every day. When that man get off that bus, I and then they, 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 they pull it the out and drop me off. We'll go and drop our backpacks off, and we'll come outside and look at each other like, "What's up, man? What you want to do?" You can argue with me. You can't argue with the number. You can't argue with the number. Argue with me. Uh, argue with me all day. Oh man, I just, all right, not not now. Go look at the number. So if I if, if I'm lying, I fly it up, and I'm and I'm real fat, man. I can't fly it up. In the church, say everything you need, you can find it in the Word of God. That's an old Cortez song, right? So uh, John <laughs> Yeah. So um, so if, if we believe that, then what I'm dealing with with mental health is supposed to be under two. Was right. I good enough to play in the WNBA? Maybe, maybe not. But I also had another option to make money. Yeah. And to make good money and still be able to do what I love. Like, man, like I got family members that that struggle. You see what I'm saying? And like, just to be able to to change their trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Like, change change their path, but like, like break the break the cycle on 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 them living like that. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's my motivation. Like, so I'll, I'll bring credit beer. I'm gonna freeze it for a second. I just like <laughs> so. Um, hey, but 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 the difference is too is like, and I know we'll get to this later. But when you buying that car, they're gonna find a way to squeeze you in that car. If your debt to credit ratio is too high with the house, that's gonna affect your buying power. Uh, I'm always be the better candidate in whatever I do, man. I ain't mad at that at all. And, and what and whatever I do, and uh, and one thing about it, whatever I do, I'm gonna have to. Everybody had the same mentality that I have, but that didn't do nothing but open the door for someone else. Because you may feel like that with your approach, but the people that I'm helping love the way that I do things. Is he froze? I'm, I'm good. I'm here. He good, man. What you mean he froze? Like Yo, 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 welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Fellas. E. Traveling What it do? What's good, bro? Where you at? Hey, man, traveling like a feather, man. With your way to wind blow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on wrapping up work for the day. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, on, I'll be on video on a few. What's up with y'all? Man, we good, bro. Another, another week at it. Uh, episode 14 tonight, man. So, uh, I think we got a good one tonight. Uh, been a lot of buzz around this show. So, we're uh, ready to get it, ready to get it kicked off tonight. Let's get it. Hey, man, did, did you know all these articles were dropping today? It's like perfect time. No, nah, I didn't, man. <laughs> I didn't. Couldn't, be, couldn't have picked a better day. Yeah, man. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, this uh, so tonight, um, I guess we're honored, man, to uh, to have a fellow Tate Countyan uh, to come on tonight. Um, met this guy about ten years ago. Um, Got to give a shout out to Myron Kathy for allowing our, our paths uh, to cross um, on the passion project he was working on. Uh, yeah, about 2013. And, uh, you know, y'all two, y'all ever meet somebody and you just know, like, yeah, he got it. You know, he he, he one of them ones. So, uh, um, but like I said, nonetheless, we we uh, glad to welcome on uh, First Officer Jeff Mabry tonight. Uh, he's a Senatobia. Uh, class of 2009, I think, Senatobia graduate, um, first officer with FedEx now. And uh, like I said, we're going to bring him on, man, and uh, get get this thing rolling. Jeff, what it do? What it do? What's going on, man? Appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us, chop it up with us. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. Happy to be here, man. Happy uh, to to talk with you guys and talk to the, the audience. And, uh, so, 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 Jeff, uh, we we also making history tonight. Uh, you kind of saw in the intro, everybody we've had on the show up to this point has uh, had cold water roots. So, <laughs> so Chris Mallory was kind of you know in between, but you're the first one with the Senatobia roots. Yes, sir. Uh, that we bring it on. Tonight. Hold on, but hold on. Have you ever got your hair cut in cold water? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we let you pass there. We let you pass. Go, go yeah, on, Mark and uh, Anthony, they used, to, they used to get me, man. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, but, yeah, man, nevertheless, happy to have you on tonight, man. Um, we, you know, I think I think everybody saw the article um, come out today. Like Mac was asking, did, did you know that was going to – um, come out today? No, nah, I didn't know today. Uh, I woke up this morning and all of a sudden, you know, my phone was just going off. And, uh, you know, one, I think the lady that works for uh, MLGW or something, she posted it and then other people started sharing. And then, and then, uh, of course, FedEx or one of my, my reps, she's, uh, she hit me up and was like, hey, it, it's out there. So, yeah. That's what's up, man. Um, like I said, couldn't have. Couldn't have happened at a better time. I know you mentioned uh, being on the radio as well and then, you know, being on here with us tonight. So, man, we definitely uh, – we don't take it lightly that you took time out of your schedule to come rap with us for a second. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah, we definitely appreciate that. So, uh, I know Jordan mentioned your your Cenotopia uh, roots. Um, so I'll just start off by asking uh, asking you to tell us about your experience growing up or tell us about where you grew up and then, you know, how it impacted the way you see the world. Yeah, so I grew up in Senatobia, man. I grew up around uh, some lot of, you know, humble and, you know, guys that were some go-getters. And, uh, you know, me, you know, being the youngest of like five brothers, you know, I mean, four brothers. I was a field kid. And so all my other brothers, they, you know, played sports. My brother played Senatobia High. They won a championship in 96. So, you know, growing up in that mentality, everybody's like, oh, he's going to be the next ball player. He's going to get us another ring or something like that. And, you know, and then came down to it, you know, um, you know, something else came my way and opportunity. And so, you know, I went with that. 
So, you know, Senatobi, you know, you know, basketball, you know, between you, know, you got to, you know, bring your A game, you know, playing against, you know, independence, you know, and then, you know, sometimes you get a little scrimmage from cold water, but, you know, could never, could never really play them, you know, in the, in the gymnasium, but, uh, you know, but it was always very competitive, I would think, you know, in, the, in those, yeah. in Tate County, so, you know, it was always. Did you, did you say a little scrimmage? Yeah, a little scrimmage. Did you... Oh, man. Go, go on, my bad. I heard cold water, then I heard a little. But go on, man. My bad. Go on. Really? You know, you have a big scrimmage because you know it it would get a little a little wild down there. So you know they had to, you know, always cut it short. All right. Yeah. Facts. I live. I live in '03, but I know we played. They stopped it and then brought it back. I know we played Senatobia. I know for sure my junior year. I don't know about my senior year. So I know we played them in 02, but was that like the last time, Jordan? Do you remember? Man, I, I don't know. Uh, it's been so long since I've been to a cold water basketball game. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Jeff, so, you, you know, you just talking about, you know, I know basketball was one of your first loves, right? Yeah. Um, and – I'm not sure, but I think there was a you had an opportunity to possibly go and play on the next level before you transitioned to going to doing what you're doing now. Um, what was, what was that like, or am I am I on target with you having those opportunities? Yeah, it was at Target. So uh, I think in well high school. So uh, I think tenth uh, grade year, but eleventh grade year, it was uh, looking pretty good. We had a, a, a good coach that year. And so, uh, you know, working all summer, you know, sneaking into the gym, you know, putting a little paper in the door so I can get in and, you know, but, uh, yeah, we was working that hard to, to come back senior year and uh, potentially, you know, move on to the next level because uh, we played pretty much that whole squad we were with. We played from, like, you know, kindergarten all the way up and uh, until about high school. And uh, so when they fired that coach, you know, my, my 11th grade year, uh, or going into my senior year, you know, my, uh, my uncle was like, hey, man, you know, this is another opportunity maybe, you know, for you, um, you know, to come to this camp that we have. We, I guess we'll talk about here later. And uh, so it made he made it, it was kind of like one of those uh, deja vu moments. You know, I told you, like my brother, he played, you know, high school. You know, I was in kindergarten. He was a senior. And uh, so I was sitting in the locker room and then, you know, it just kind of hit me one day. You know, my grandfather gave me a story. He was like, you know, you see Highway 51 out there? I was like, yeah, I see Highway 51 out there. And uh, he was like, well, it's the same, you know, highway as I was a kid and you were a kid. And uh, so he said, you know, the same stuff, you know, might come along as the same way as somebody else, you know, came along as well. So when I was sitting there, I was like, you know, I had to be honest with myself, like how uh, how far would this really go? You know, and, you know, I've seen most, you know, some some good, really ball players from the area. You know, they went to play, you know, D2 or, you know, D1 or whatever. But I think I was like, well, you know, I, I think I want something probably more a little more solid than that. So and uh, so I went to, I quit basketball my senior year and uh, started flying in high school uh, my senior year. And. And it went from there. So I got my first license when I was in uh, my 12th grade year. I know it was like some people kind of upset that I quit ball, but I was like, man, I see some, see something bigger on the horizon right now. That's, you know, 
that's trying to just satisfy my senior year versus, you know, just one or two years after college. I see something that's going to bring in some real money and something I can actually touch and have, you know, that, that kind of guidance and mentorship with. So, and I went with it. Man, that's, that's pretty big, man. And um, shifting from sports back to academics was a big deal, being 17 years old. So, you know, speaking about that, you know, what subjects – I know I know all of them matter, but what subjects are important? Like for a kid that they wanted to become a pilot, what should they put emphasis on or make sure they excel in and do great in? I would say pretty much um, like geometry, maybe math. I mean, you don't have to know a lot of math, but I would say math, you know, social studies. Uh, that was one big thing um, because you travel. You got to know, you know, where you're going. You do a lot of research. Where you go into these, you know, these areas, you get a lot of intel. So, I would say mostly those uh, would be uh, would be the the hard subjects to pay attention to. Especially, I mean, like English. I mean, we barely, you know, you go into these different, you know, areas, and you want to be able. And you're talking on the radio, you got to be able to speak correct English. You know, you can't go up there and be like, "Hey, man, let me let me get another altitude." <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Want to be able to talk, you know, clear and precise, and uh, that was one of the things that I was I was mentored on. You know, I was you know had that basketball mentality. You know, you get that little C average, just get a scholarship, and then uh, when it came to the flying, it's like it was a, it's you know, it's more of a you know a very A type kind of personality. Like it's a go getter. Like you know, give it your all, give it your best, because you know what I'm saying you want to be sharp. You know, when you're up there. So I would say those subjects, uh, math, science, and technology would be, uh, I know, like the STEM program. So science, technology, engineering, math, those kind of classes, you know, help you probably give you more insight, prepare you, you know, be a pilot. That's what's up. <clears throat> you, um, I know you mentioned quitting basketball your senior year. Um, and I know, the, I guess it was probably around the time when you started telling people, I want to be a pilot, right? I, I want to, you know, go and become a pilot. And I know, you know, coming from a small town, you get a lot of naysayers. You got certain uh, half a group of people that might say you can do anything you put your mind to. And then the other group might say, um, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, you ain't going to be able to do that. How did you, how were you able to block out? the naysayers, you know, you quit basketball. How are you able to block out the people that, that started calling you crazy? If there were any, um, when you quit basketball and said, I'm going to go be a pilot. Man, you know what? So, uh, like I said this before, like, uh, it's a blessing to have, you know, uh, you know, have my uncle who had that opportunity to be around the world. So pretty much hanging with him on the weekends gave me, you know, gave me a vision, man. So just, being able to see that I say exposure is the key to everything. So when I was in school, man, when I when I figured out that hey, this is what I want to do, and I was getting exposed to like you know different opportunities and stuff like that, man, I listened. That was one of my my key things in that point. So yeah, I was at the when I quit basketball, man. My my coach called me. He said, man, you quit. And then the 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 principal pulled me out of like senior class. He's like, you sure you gonna quit basketball, man? And I was at the games, man. It was like, you want to go fly crop dusters? You don't want to, you don't want to play ball no more. Like, what's wrong with you, man? So honestly, I was, I was like sold on the on the on the opportunity and the dream, man. I felt like, 
even my even my dad at the time, man, I was in ninth grade actually when I told my dad, hey, I, I think this is what I want to do. And, you know, kind of being in a small town, a small town, you know, mentality, you know, it's it's like my dad was like, no, nah, I'll find you a job on the ground. So that just kind of hurt. You know, I'm like, you know, I got some, you know, you know, I can go you know, buy me a house or something or I can go buy me a car. I can put some money in the pocket. I can, you know, you know, do do stuff, to, you know, to give back. So I saw the, you know, the bigger picture. But, you know, I just blocked it out, man. I was I was so focused. Man, I started like you know shutting everything down, like video games, all that. I was so hungry to get out of like you know Senatobia, Tate County. I was like, man, this is it's a bigger world out there. Either I'm getting out, you know, military. I'm gonna go fly a plane. I'm about to go do something. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely can't relate to that. I'm in the military now. Uh, actually, retiring in August. Um, but I wasn't that like I the level of maturity it takes to be able to block out all of those people uh and to know what you want at such a young age is commendable so you know I commend you and salute you for that alone because that, that's very commendable because I I came to the military just because I knew college I wasn't ready for college uh I had the grades to do it but I just wasn't ready um on a maturity level to go to college right out of high school and I felt like I needed more discipline. Um, and I, I still was confused about what it was I wanted to do. So the military is what I chose. So um, just knowing what you want to do at such a young age and then following your dreams, despite uh, what everyone else had to say is just uh, such a dope thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one more thing on top of that, man. When you, you see, I guess you, when you, I guess when you observe other people and you just you try to see a measure like, well, how far does this actually go? Like, you know, you start paying attention. It's like, well, what I'm going to do after high school? And, you know, your parents is like, you know, you got to support yourself. How are you going to do this? So I think I think one of the things that really drove me was the the fear, the fear of failure. Uh, you know, end up, you know, on the corner somewhere or just, you know, just just not doing anything. Man, I felt like. It was just more like a fear of fear and then, you know, to let your folks down, you know, let your, you know, your family down, something like that. Like you had to mean something. So I think that's one of the things that drove me like fear of fear. Like, man, I, I can't, I just can't be sitting on the couch every day and not getting undone. Like, you know, just, you know, I didn't want to be like an annual say like a nobody, but it was just something just like, hey, man, you, it's, it's, it's so much more out here in the world. We watch all this stuff on Instagram, social media. And, you know, TV, man. But it was like, man, how about you just go make it a reality? You can dream about it. But if you can't touch it, smell it, feel it, and nothing like that, it ain't it ain't real. So, you know, if you want to, you know, go out there, I just saw, you know, saw something in some other guys that were, like, on the same path. So I just started joining up with them, you know, to make that happen. So, but like, I, <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, um, when we met, um, I think it was – like a Mexican restaurant that Myron had us uh, meet at um, with what he was trying to put together, man. Like I said, I think that was a fight. I think we may have crossed paths, you know, at some point, but as far as meeting you and knowing your name and all that, but, um, you know, I just remember seeing that, that focused look on your face, even in a setting, you know, like that. And um, I'm like, I think you, you were three years younger than me. And just, just knowing like, 
you know, how you carried yourself, the way you articulated, you know, what you were trying to say, like just you can you can pick up on, you know, that energy. So um, I can definitely attest to that. Yep. Likewise. Hey, Jeff, um, quick question for me. I'm on video now. So uh, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Um, were there were there was there ever a time when, you know, you just thought this isn't possible? I can't do it. Um, I'm gonna have to change gears, you know, choose a different path. Or I know you said you were focused, but did you ever have those moments? Uh yeah, man. Uh, uh I'm not gonna say that I didn't. So yeah, I think I did. And the thing was, like I told you earlier, that fear of failure, man. And you know, I have this kind of like sometimes that that diddy mentality, you know, just you just work hard until you just you can't work no more, you just grind, you can't sleep at night. So uh, my path was that time period when you're uh, to answer this question. Yeah. So after high school, I worked in the FedEx hub from like, man, straight after like graduation for three and a half years, man. So that was like 1045 at night to about three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then I came home to my spot, man. I slept on the floor. So I went oversleep, you know, the alarm clock. So I wouldn't get in the bed too comfortable and then uh, went to class at Northwest Community College down there in South Haven, Monday through Friday. So that was 9 a.m. to about uh, or 8.45, 9 a.m. to about uh, about 2 o'clock every day. And then after that, man, I had flight lessons. So I had scholarships that I had to 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 maintain and to maintain a certain you know level. So, yeah, man, I was I was you know, trying to get a little nap in here. I was sleeping in my car in the, in the parking lot, walking in, sleeping on the flight school couch. You know, I walked to Starbucks. I had a routine every day, man. I went to Starbucks. They knew me by my first, middle, and last name. It was just hmm. – and sometimes I feel like I was a walking zombie, man, because I was like, man, this is my goal. This is the deadline. This is why I got to get it done by, yeah, I can't kick it. I can't party. I can't play ball. You know, just catch me on the weekend, man. And it was just one of those times where you just get so burnt out. You know, I think I was so burnt out, man. I'm in December, man. I thought I was still in August, man. I didn't know what the temperature was outside. I'm just, you just get so locked in and so focused that, you know, that you ain't thinking about the outside world. You just think about what matters most, what your priorities are. You know, if, you know, if I don't do this, then they feel like I'm failing. So it's like this goal got to be done by Friday, you know, Listen, you know, I was more mental than I was emotional. So I, I was more like, hey, get it done. If I don't, I feel like I'm failing, like I'm getting like sucked back into like a trap. And, I, you know, that was that was it was like a angle say like it was just a mental thing with me. It just, you know, so that's why I feel like, you know, sometimes I, I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't know what sleep was. I mean, I got two hours, maybe three, four hours a day. But I mean. I just had a deadline to get it done by. I'll tell you this, man. I've never said this to anybody, but I'm going to say it to you. I'm glad you didn't get no sleep because I'm, pr I'm proud of what you become. You know, you, you had a dream. You had your goals. You set those goals, and, you know, now you're living that dream. So it was worth it, you know. Man, big facts. Mm -hmm. I still look back, man. I'm like, man, hey, I missed that 17-year-old me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh we de look, we definitely want you to get sleep now though? Yeah, get some, yeah, some okay. sleep. I'm getting it in now. Yeah, I'm getting it now. <laughs> Did you uh ever were you ever that locked in on anything else prior to that? Um, to where you felt that type of commitment or 
was it when you started pursuing this goal? Like you just knew this was your passion based on how focused and locked in you were? Nah, man, I think aviation in general, man, what it requires to be a pilot and the work commitment and discipline, actually, um, then I would say it just been aviation, man, to be a pilot, man, because there's so much details and so much stuff that, you know, you had to, you know, put into. I mean, it's not like you can go from, you know, from being a just a starter pilot. I mean, not starter pilot, but just starting and then, you know, just becoming like, you know, to the levels of FedEx pilot. I mean, it took me 15 years just to get here, just to check those boxes, to, to finish that degree, uh, to finish those flight lessons, to get those hours, to get that experience. It's almost like being the detail of, of being a doctor, um, kind of. And um, so I would say basketball, I was I was dedicated, you know, but it wasn't like, you know, being a pilot, like sleepless nights, you studying to about two, three o'clock in the morning, you got exam. But I'll tell you one thing, being a pilot is like, you know, mentally, you got to have that mental toughness. And in a little bit, I carry that from, you know, playing basketball a little bit. But the mental toughness is the, the challenges or the 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 different exposure you, you know have flying airplane so i would say when you're you know you're on the ground but when you get in the air it's you got you know stuff that you know thunderstorms different weather or you know stuff dealing with the airplane and um you know you're the guy you're flying with or or the the, the lady you're flying with or something like that so you got so much adjustments that you got to make within you know in a short period of time so uh you know, it's really, you know, thinking ahead, staying mentally sharp, uh, thinking ahead, looking, being optimistic and then, you know, keeping open minded by a lot of things and being able to handle a lot of information at one particular time. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so um, I was going to ask a question about fear, but you already kind of touched on that. So I, I'll shift a little bit uh, differently. You mentioned uh, the guys or the girls you fly with. So when you look back at, you know, your journey through school to become a pilot. How many of us were there in your class or in the program? And how many, how many women, if any? Um, it was, let's see how many of us. It was um, a few. Um, I can't really between each different, you know, lesson in the school like that, but uh, definitely a few. And, uh, you know, working with, uh, you know, OBAP, Organizational Black Aerospace Professionals. You know, you had people from the Memphis community. There was also Teenager Wooddale High School and now East High School. Now we have our own high school here in uh, Olive Branch, well, own flight school, Black flight school uh, in Olive Branch. That's ran, you know, that uh, it's a nonprofit by OBAP, Organizational Black Aerospace Professionals. And uh, so we had a few and it was male and female. So I've had, you know, female students as, you know, also being an instructor myself as, you know, from, you know, all kind of my youngest students, 12 years old, uh, older students, eight, about 85. And, you know, you see all kinds of types of people that uh, they come in to, to fly and train. So, yeah, it's quite a few. So, so what's like the, I heard you say the youngest being youngest, 12 years old. So what's like the minimal requirements? Uh, really is not. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll just finish the rest somewhere. Oh no, I just said for flight school or, or for to to attend the classes. Uh, there's really 
So he's 12 years old. So, I mean, just uh, I guess by that age, you know, you're fundamentally, you know, you're, you're pretty much can catch on what's going on. So I think he was, he was, yeah, he was 12 years old. And uh, his mom was also a FedEx pilot as well. And my oldest student was 85. So you really can't get your license or start to solo about 16, your license about 17, commercial pilot, 18, uh, flight instructor uh, to teach other students is about 18. And then, um, of course, you want to be the hold the airline transport pilot certificate, which is the ATP, which is like the PhD of the flying certificates. It's, uh, it's uh, 23. Were you 23 uh, when you received yours? No, man. I was actually 17 years old. Actually, 18 years old. I was still in uh, Senatoga High School when I got my first license. So I was. I quit basketball that summer uh, going to my senior year. Um, I, I hit it hard. I was training, uh, man, two times a day in the airplane with an instructor uh, in Olive Branch. And, uh, and then, of course, I went back to school. It kind of slowed me down. But... In six months, I had my first license. So I had a license before I graduated high school. Post, I had a second one, but um, due to weather and uh, stuff like that, it slowed me down. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so for kids, kids who are interested in a program like that, um, before they turn eighteen and before they're adults, like, is it expensive for the parents to be able to, you know, pay for that that training? Um, unfortunately, yes. Um, but there's ways to somewhat pay for it and it's and how to break it down. You can always pay as you go. Um, most lessons cost between probably 200 to maybe, you know, 200 to maybe $250 per lesson. Um, to get your first license, you need about a minimum of 40 hours uh, to be a pilot. And uh, also take like a physical. So if you play sports, it's kind of somewhat similar to that. Um, so you got to also have a physical, which it turns into a student pilot certificate. Um, so it's a uh, so about about forty hours. So about I say roughly between eight to ten grand is the first license nowadays, based on the inflation. So about eight to about ten. So each license certificate roughly is about the same: eight to ten, fifteen thousand, twelve thousand. Gotcha. Yeah. So Eric, Eric can pay for all of us to go. Right. <laughs> Eric May? Huh? Eric May? No, Eric Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I was thinking about, as you said, you got your, your license at uh, 18, so you really could have pulled up the prom in a helicopter or something if you, if you wanted to. Man, I was flying over the Senator football games in an airplane, man. Uh, Independence, man. I was flying out Sergeant Dam. I was all over the place, man. And you know, when I got my license, you know, I was, you know, I took a few girls on the date. I was know. just about to ask that. <laughs> I was just about to ask that. <laughs> uh, you know, like this. <laughs> right. I can see the uh, the Memphis skyline, man. So we used to go fly around there, and then with my instructor. So you know, uh, you know, the girl at the time, girlfriend at the time. So she was able to ride in the back and. You know, enjoy the the sights and you know have fun as well. So, um, man, it was, it was super cool. So yeah, that's, that's a big flex, man. No. Um, so I, I heard you, you know, uh, mention your uncle earlier, and I know I've heard you talk about him, um, Albert, um, right? Right. Um, who who is also a pilot. Um, 
can you just speak to how valuable having um, someone like that um, in your life early on to, you know, have his hand on your life um, to kind of tutor and mentor you through um, your decision as well as going through school and your career uh, now? Yeah, man, honestly, I probably, you know, for him, man, I, uh, I probably ended up, you know, probably in the military somewhere. Uh, but he, you know, is such a humble guy, man. He has helped so many, you know, young students and adults, man, from, you know, so many years since like probably the 80s, man, and even in the model airplane industry as well. So, uh, you know, he's so humble, man. Honestly, he came around. He really didn't talk about flying. But what got my attention was he pulled up at my grandmother's house with that Porsche. And I was like, man, I got to give me one of those. <laughs> but he had my attention. So, uh, but, you know, just, you know, being honest with yourself. And he's such a humble guy, but he's so uh, very knowledgeable. And, you know, he's, you know, high ranked, you know, at FedEx. He did a lot of, you know, oper- you know did a lot of jobs and, you know, stuff there. But, man, I, I probably wouldn't be, you know, in this position without him today, man. He's more than a mentor, man. He's been like a, you know, second father figure for me, you know, as well. If I need something, he always answers the phone. I don't care, you know, how busy he is or where he is in the world. He's uh, always been there. And, you know, well as him as I uh, as well as my aunt, you know, they they were my, you know, I looked at them like, you know, Michelle and Barack, man. Mm-hmm. I was like, so they got me together. Um you know, even the way I talk today, man, you know, I was there, you know, talked, you know, like I was plies. I think they put in newspapers that so he went from plies to, to Esquire of ATL, man, overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing like three, three X's, two X's, Jordans, and, you know, baggy pants to like, you know, they, they brought me up for the summer and they was like, and uh, I think one thing that hit home, man, I was, they were hanging with my uncle and there was some, some big time guys that came into the airport, man. And, and you know it was gave him so much like the the you know the most respect or whatever and uh, and I was just you know just standing there and then they looked at me like hey, who is this kid man where is he from blah 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 I I kid you not to this day that ate me alive man because it, they looked at me like I was nobody mm. they looked at me like you know this is just some little you know bad kid or you know somebody just you know from the hood or whatever the case may be even though i didn't you know come from the hood but you know that was a culture that was a style that's what we did and uh so i guess he kind of he saw that and so that i think that some they took me to like i think uh uh what was that place called one of those you know stores and uh they changed my whole swag they said if you really want to do this to be a pilot you want to step into this market and these are some of the things we're going to have to work on. So they were changing, you know, the way, I, you know, how I talk, how I presented myself. It was, you know, yes, not yeah, man, this, nothing like that. So they're like, hey, if you want to be this, you know, in this position one day. So it was, they changed my whole swag, my whole everything, man. They just mentored to mentor me to uh, who I am today. So still is. <laughs> still is. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Yeah, that's dope. Um, I, I know earlier you mentioned or you talked about being a flight instructor. You talked about um, receiving your first license while you're still in high school. Um, but I wanted to go back to see, like, what what is the process like to apply and get accepted? Uh, is it like the same as a typical college application? Or is it different or is it just like, like how does that work? 
Um, so it's, it's, it's uh, multiple ways to get your license. Uh, one way is the military way, uh, university way, like MTSU or Delta State, one of those places. And then it's also the uh, just a civilian uh, local school like we have in uh, uh, Olive Branch, Mississippi, uh, Luke Weathers Flight Academy or Air Venture Flight Center. So um, just to do the civilian route, so say for one of you guys or anybody from the community that's an adult and just walk to them and say, I just want to take a few lessons, then pretty much it just depends on you getting a student, student pilot certificate, which is that physical I was talking about, just to make sure you're good, uh, you know, they just look for blood pressure, just make sure that, you know, you're okay. And you're obtaining that uh, student pilot certificate. And then you just pretty much go to the school and say, hey, I'd like to get a discovery flight or an intro flight. And that's pretty much you just going over with an instructor. And the instructor will basically, you know, put you in an airplane, give you kind of like a basic intro. Like, you know, you're driving with your, your parent or your older brother or something in the car. And then uh, take you up in the air and just, you know, give you a little feel. Say, hey, you know turn left, turn right, pull back, and just to get, you know, that feel. And most of the time, people are like, you know, hooked, man. Like, they want to come back, do it again. They want to sign up for lessons. So that's pretty much just the start of how people, um, that's how easy it is. Um, so then after that, you can, uh, you know, sign up for a syllabus just like you go to school. You can go at your own pace as well and pay as you go. So if you took a lesson, you know, today, you don't come back for three weeks, then you're still applying towards your your license. Uh, if you go to a university that has a flight program, you get your 40 degree tie with that, then then you're on their time, kind of. Okay. So, uh, so what, what if I want to fly 737? Then what more do I have to do from that point? 737, you got a little ways to go. So you had to go through, basically become a, a full commercial pilot like I had to go through. You had to get your different ratings so or certificates or license. They say it three ways. So basically, it's your private pilot's license, the license that allow you just to go fly by yourself, you know, but you can't go into, like, clouds or anything like that. You just, hey, I can go fly on a beautiful day. The sun is shining, just a few clouds in the sky. Your second one would be an instrument rating where you have to you learn how to fly with a, a device on your head, simulating focus on all those instruments at one time. Uh, so you learn how to fly through clouds and, you know, basically keep an airplane safe because a lot of times our natural bodies want to fly through the clouds and we want to, you know, control the airplane based on how our body feels. So I was going back to the mental part about it is, you know, focus on the instruments, you know, no matter what. Uh, the commercial one, you do a little bit more maneuvers, um, commercial pilot or certificate where you can also fly people now and also get paid to do, you know, small jobs. And then the next one would be, you know, flying an airplane with two engines. And, you know, that they'll train you how to fly, even though the airplane has two engines, but they'll train you how to fly it on one engine. So in case you lose one, you still know how to fly it off that one, the other one. Uh, and then after that, um, you can either be a flight instructor uh, to be go back and teach everything that you just learned, or you can gain a couple hours, um, you know, just uh, flight, you know, flying around the, uh, the country or the states or whatever, and then they'll probably let you touch a 737. Okay. Touch. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, so um, transitioning from uh, school, you mentioned earlier um, you started your career at FedEx as a package handler. Um, and then um, I know you went to, I want to say it was American Airlines, correct? Actually, I went somewhere before. I went two places before that. Okay. So I was just going to ask you, walk, kind of walk us through um, that journey from being a package handler into you landing back um, with the company you started with um, in 2020, 2022, I think it was. Okay. So total, to give you just a recap, so the total of applying has been about 16 years now. So when I finished up with school, uh, or flight school, um, it was uh, 2013. And to get the experience to get a job to be hired somewhere, you had to have a certain amount of flight hours. So 2013, I went to, to work in Yuma, Arizona as a, uh, a drone pilot. So to, to save us some money to hopefully pay for uh, some flight hours to get the experience I need to be able to apply. So I did. Uh, I was a drone pilot or, you know, sometimes they call it for the Navy or Navy contracts. I was a drone pilot for the Navy contract. Uh, contractor in Yuma, Arizona. So I did it for about about six months or so. And then I left there, came back to be a flight instructor for uh, Air Adventure Flight School in Olive Branch for about roughly a couple months. And I taught other students, Vietnamese students, and also local uh, students as well. And I got enough experience where I got the phone call where I flew for a Seaport Airlines out of Memphis. And we flew out of the private terminal, which was a nine-passenger airplane that we flew all over the Mid-South. So I was able to get about a thousand flight hours there within a year. And then um, I flew for American uh, Regional uh, PSA Airlines uh, that's owned by American. And I flew there for about seven and a half years where uh, it helped me get the experience to to get to FedEx. So I was the first officer roughly about, about two and a half, three years. And then I was captain uh, there for about four years. And then in order to, to fly a FedEx, you know, we fly Boeing airplanes, you know, 777, 757s, and Airbuses, and also nb 11 as well. Well, FedEx wanted a certain amount of captain time uh, elsewhere before you are uh, able to apply and also have your 40 degree uh, to apply to work for FedEx. So that journey and all took me roughly about 14, 15 years just to to meet those requirements to fly with, you know, a major like FedEx. And now I was just going to um, follow up with at what point did that, you know, become your goal? Was that always the goal to get back um, one day to FedEx or um, is that something you just kind of uh, came up, came up with along the way? No, nah, man, that was the goal from day one. Um, yeah. Day one, man. Uh when you look at somebody do their job and they're always happy, uh, they make a lot of money, have, you know, days off. I just saw those guys, they were pretty happy. And I was like, you know, and watching my dad go to work, you know, and then I saw, you know, other people like lawyers and doctors, like, man, they was always like, they was worn out, you know? So I was like, well, them guys, like they get to travel the world. And I was like, Hey, that's, that's what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Speak, speaking of the hours, um, how many hours, like, like we work, we may work 40, 50 hours a week. How many hours a week do you work now? Man, barely. Um, so I would say probably on a monthly basis, let's, let's say about 
I probably get credited about 68 hours a month. So in that time frame where um, we, you know, they, they believe in, you know, having days off to rest. Cause I mean, being a pilot sometimes is a little stressful. So basically just to have that time off. So you fly a little bit, you know, during the week, sometimes you don't, you may fly two weeks in a row and then may you off for the rest of the month, or you might fly one week and, you know, some days you might be on call. So it's, it's, it's different. Um, you've got a schedule, you might fly, you know, around the world, come back and you're done for the month or, uh, you might fly, you know, three or four days out of a week. It just depends. How how different is it flying for FedEx opposed to uh, being a commercial pilot for someone like American? Um, well, FedEx, I can say I can speak on this, but um, it's pretty much FedEx doesn't fly as much as a uh, passenger carrier. Um, passenger carrier, you might do maybe two or three legs a day. And, you know, maybe FedEx might do one, maybe one or two. So what what is, uh, so those are considered passenger carriers. What is FedEx considered? Cargo. Cargo. The proper term. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Just what the proper, I mean, I know what it was, but I didn't know what the proper terminology was for it. Um, and, well, you already, Jordan kind of took about five of my questions off the board. <laughs> so, um, I was just going to ask, um, I was just sitting here thinking about, so what was, what was COVID like for, like, me? For a pilot, I know they were shutting flights down and you know, um, and, and all that, but like, what was your head at during that time at the height of COVID? Uh, well, during that time, uh, during COVID, uh, to be honest, I wasn't really even focused on COVID or anything like that. I mean, uh, during that time, I had lost like two parents, so I was, I was at home, you know, focused on that, but I was also senior enough where you know, just like. You know, other companies, they were laying off folks because they just, you know, they didn't have the capacity of really, you know, having that much volume of people. And so I was still flying for uh, American at the time. So I was still actually uh, flying. I was senior enough on the uh, on the list where, you know, I was still going out there flying. So I would try to pick up as much Memphis flying as I could uh, so I can come home. And uh, but uh I mean, it was, you know, we bid reserved. Sometimes we didn't even get called for that month. So we just at home, you know, just getting paid. And and uh, and then, you know, after a couple of months, things started to come back. Where were you? Uh, where were you based out of? I heard you say try to come back to Memphis as much as possible. So were you uh, based out of somewhere else? Or yes. are you? Um, yeah, so during my seven and a half years at American, I was based uh, majority in Charlotte. So I lived in Memphis and also Atlanta at the t- uh, at the time. So I was based in Charlotte majority of the time. So I had to commute, catch a flight from Memphis or Atlanta as a passenger, and then uh, go to Charlotte and then get there before my actual trip started. And then I got there and then I flew, you know, where my assignments were uh, across the East Coast, Midwest, and, and those different places. Uh, so I was based in Charlotte, Norfolk, D.C., Dayton, Ohio, uh, and Norfolk, yeah, Norfolk, Virginia. So those are most of the places I was based at with American. 
Um, but with FedEx, I'm based here in uh, Memphis. Cool, cool. Hey, I'm hey, I'm sorry, Jeff. You said you lost two peers during COVID. Yeah, I lost two parents. Um, okay, sorry. Then, yeah, no worries. Uh, in this, in the spite of all that, so that's one of the things that I had to get through as well to to continue with my goal. So you know, while trying to uh, manage that, um, I still had to uh, uh, take care of them. So when that when they passed away, so I I took that as a I turned that into into some some fire into some fuel. So I went back and got my four year degree. I took like thirteen classes like in one year, man, and graduated three point eight magna cum laude, man. So I was like, you know what? I ain't got no more excuses. I, I, you know, I'm gonna turn this into something. So I always took something. I took fear. I've always took something. I was like Michael Jordan. He always trying to find some edge, and you know that was one of my edges to, to kind of push me on through. So I would say, yeah. Man, I definitely can relate to that. I lost both of my parents during that same time period. So I definitely can relate to that. My condolences to you as well. Um, I um wanted to go back to uh ask if you are if you're at liberty to discuss like what type of drone pilot you were or what type of drones you were flying. Um I can talk about it. So my just uh, drones out of the Yuma, Arizona is pretty much it was just, you know, just surveillance. I was just doing surveillance stuff uh, as, as much as I can uh, talk about it. But yeah. uh, just just surveillance. We were out there just training surveillance. Um, met some really great guys out there, all kind of branches, military, uh, the Navy, Air Force, Marines, man. So it was, it was a great time. Yuma, some of my guys out there. Go back and forth out there now, so that's that's why. I asked. Yeah, so. it's a, it's a special place. I would say. That. <laughs> yeah. So, what branch are you? I'm army. Army. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep, about to hang up. I, I got some. I got some flight experience too, Jim. Which which just flight flight experience? Highway 51 and Horn Lake flights, fishing wings. <laughs> I put it about three hours a month. <laughs> not three a month, you know, not, not too much, you know. Not too much. <laughs> yeah, man. Um I forgot what my next question was. Don't mind if I do. Why are you thinking of it? Yeah, go get it, man. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and get some of my time back. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll transition to like work-life balances or any, any hobbies that, that, that you know you may have now. Um, but what, what does a typical day at work look like for you now? Um, so pretty much I would say that, you know, being on reserve, so I'm pretty much on call, uh, you know, for so many hours a day. So, and you know, you know, they always got to have a backup. So every airline in the airline industry – has what you call you got the A team, uh, the A block. So the guys that are scheduled, they know what they're doing. They bid that they're senior. They know where they're going. And then you got the guys just in case you know one of those pilots call out sick or uh, you know we got extra volumes. You know like people or, or extra plane that just need to be moved or something like that. So that's pretty much what the reserve guys do. Um, and they just go from there. So typical day on call. Uh, so many days out of month. So roughly you get your know, call for about maybe 12, 14 days. 
you know, a month and then the rest of the days you're off to do whatever you want to do or go travel or whatever you want to do. Yep. So speaking of oh, travel, man. you do a lot of it, but um, you mentioned a girlfriend in high school. So um, for the ladies listening tonight and their friends, do you have a significant other? Um, oh do you have time for a significant other uh do i have time yeah i have time now i would say that man uh them last couple of years man i was i was grinding i was grinding i didn't have time uh you know they you know for the the like the studying for exams or the guy had you had to go train man sometimes you're studying for 12 you know, 14 hours, I mean, pretty much locked in focus about 12, 14 hours a day. Um, because in in that extra, like being a pilot, so a lot of times is they takes worth about about five to six months of training and cramming into about maybe three months of training. So they call it the fire hose. So you ain't got time for anything, man. You you going to the kitchen, you got a book in your hand on the iPad or you know, you going to sleep, you got that iPad or book, you know, next to you. So they this call. So during those times is is it was kind of difficult. So I would say that. Yeah. So the so the life of a pilot or becoming a pilot in a similar role of yours, um, people really don't have the time until they're in their career, so to speak, for somebody else. It's so strenuous that, you know, somebody else may think they're being, I guess, pushed to the back or pushed to the side or whatever. Yeah, I mean, even during the training process and then when you get done past the training portion and then it's like, well, it's time to go fly now. So you can't, you know, text and talk while you're in the air. So if you're in the air, for, you know, for an hour, or, you know, two, three, four, five, six hours a day, then, you know, you can't talk, communicate, can't text. And then by the time you land, you know, your phone going crazy. And then 30, 40 minutes later, you're back in the air again. Yeah. So it's, you know, um, dating somebody in this industry or you know being married or have your spouse or whatever significant other uh you know they got to have you know good patience and and understanding and open mind to be honest because uh, it it takes you know those days when we off i mean hey we're off um and then when we're flying you know you got to be focused you got to get your rest in you got to be rested i mean you've you know, having a pilot schedule, you might work in the mornings and the next day you might turn around, you flying at night. So, yeah. You mentioned uh, being on call. Uh, what what does that recall term look like? Or are you on call like in, in you're at the facility? Uh, no, so we get the benefit of being at home. Um, benefit of home. So you have a, such a, like so many like uh, hours that were time that they can call you and then you just have to be there so you had to be within that 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 call range to to be there um so somewhat if you're you know you can live life you know like you normally do but uh, like you normally do be with your family you know be at home in the comfort home or your crash pad for most pilots that commute and uh the ones that don't live in the actual city that they're based in so they'll probably you know rent you know a room for somebody or a crash pad and you know, for X amount of hundred dollars, you know, a month, and and then go from there, and then just just live until they call you, and then just be ready to go. So the follow-up question to that: So let's say it's almost eight o'clock here, and they called you now to tell you that they had a, a flight for you to take out. How long do you have to? Um, how long before you have to be there? Do you have like two hours to get there, an hour, or 
Yeah, I can't really uh, uh, think, you know, speculate that because it, it, it changes. So I can't really just, you know, get too much in detail with that. Gotcha. But yeah, it changes. Okay. So, Jeff, and I know uh, from social media, in your downtime, you, you, you're something like a like a Food Network chef, um, right? Um, <laughs> something like that. That's what they say. Where did that Where did that passion um, for cooking come from? Like, and uh, like, is that something that you you, you can see yourself pursuing as a second career? Uh, yeah, um, especially as a, as a hustle. Where, actually, where they came from is, you know, being from Memphis and Mississippi, man, you know, the food, you know, you know, it's this restaurant on every corner and you got grandmama cooking over here, auntie cooking over there. And so when I moved to Atlanta about three, four years ago, man, I got older. I said, man, Atlanta don't cook like they do in Memphis or like, you know, like they do in Mississippi. So what happened was I was like, well, I'm going to start, you know, I got my own place now, my own house now. So I just started you know, playing with it. I said, I like, I know how things should taste. And I got tired of paying 300 some dollars going out to eat, you know, in Atlanta paying for parking and, you know, paying for parking and, you know, being in traffic, you know, whatever, 20, 30 minutes. And then gratuity was off the chain. So I was like, man, we stay at the house and, you know, and uh, call some folks over, man. And, and, you know, put grandmama recipes and auntie recipes together and, you know, went from there. So, it actually turned into a, a little small catering business, man. So I was actually got the chance to cater actually during COVID. I mean, everybody was at home. So I was like, this is perfect timing for me to uh, to do that. So we were, you know, making plates and cutting hair. So that's what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. Yeah. Eric, where you at? You from? I was like that. No, I We're gonna transition to uh OBAP. So uh Jake, we'll let you kick it off. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Um, just kind of you know, educate us and as well as our audience um about um OBAP. Okay. So um OBAP is the organization of uh black aerospace professionals. And it was started in the uh, the late 70s uh, by um, two African-American, I think, pilots there. Um, and roughly the whole goal behind that organization was we started was because back during those times, you know, it was hard for minorities to, to basically have this opportunity to get those, to work for majors, uh, airlines, and have the opportunities or didn't even know uh, how to even get started to be a pilot and what you have to do. I mean, uh, to be a pilot. So as a guys, a couple, they started it, and then they also want to, to basically help uh, adults, you know, be a mentorship program as well as give back to the youth. And so that's been going on since then, and uh, Uncle's been, you know, heavily uh, involved with that as well, involved with that. And so today, uh, OBAP is, uh, we have a flight school in Olive Branch, Luke Weathers Flight Academy, and it's pretty much you know, recognized, you know, across the world um, through the major carriers like, you know, American Delta, FedEx, UPS, um, Southwest and, you know, other airlines. And they get a part of this and where it's basically a, uh, a mentorship and to give opportunities for uh, young pilots and as well as other pilots opportunities uh, to get those uh, chances or even um, 
to be mentored and also motivate and also inspire networking um, for minorities and, as well as just anybody in general. And also give scholarships and help the youth, also expose the youth um, to get opportunities as well. So one of the things that I was able to pay for flying was through OBAP, uh, the organization. I had a scholarship to them, which paid for about three, three to four certificates. So uh, when I tell you that I was, you know, man, working, you know, day and night trying to get those ratings, well, I had a, a certain time limit that I had to get those ratings by or the scholarship would expire. So I wasn't letting, you know, free money go to waste. So I was like, either I can pay for it or I'm going to get taxed if I don't take advantage of this right now. So I'd rather give it my all and say, hey, I tried and and go from there. Yeah, I, I saw in the article um, that they mentioned that you left school with no debt. So I think that was uh, that, that was pretty big. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that pay for flying was the scholarships as well as working for FedEx and uh, they have the, uh, the tuition reimbursement program. So if you're in a hub, you know, you're throwing boxes. Um, they were at the time, they were giving $3,000 uh, towards, uh, you know, where you're going to get your degree in, in something or, you know, pilot training that was it, that was registered by the, in their database. So uh, now it's, I think it's up to about 5,200 some dollars now. And then, as well as you can, they're paying for four year degrees right now at Fed. So if you work in the hub throwing boxes, they're giving out, they'll pay for your four year degree. Boxes, handling boxes. Let me say it that way. <laughs> handling boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, know, we know what's going on. <laughs> Look, and, and, um, uh, and then Ace Academy um, is something I've heard you speak about um, like way back when. Um, and uh, so just kind of, you know, talk about that as well. And then uh, uh, the stuff y'all got coming up this summer. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, we have the ACE academies uh, located across the United States, but particularly here in Memphis, where I also got my start and exposure. We have a Memphis ACE Academy and also Memphis Solo Academy. So the ACE Academy is pretty much a week long uh, camp in Memphis. And we start out at East High School, but it gives you the exposure of all the aviation or majority of the aviation opportunities that we have here in Memphis. So just think that aviation is not just being a pilot, but aviation is its own world of opportunities. Um, so, for instance, we give you exposure to like on Monday, uh, we are sponsored by FedEx where they, you know, gives us the opportunity to, to go explore the uh, Memphis Air Traffic Control Tower. And kids get to see, you know, hands-on how did they talk to pilots and, you know, what was their journey like and career like. So you have a lot of professionals that we that give us the opportunity, as well as the Air National Guard. You get to go, you know, walk on and see the, uh, the military airplanes that you see out there at the airport and also talk to the military pilots. And they tell you about, you know, the village it takes to even just get one airplane in the air. Um, we have different uh, structures of, you know, dispatchers as well as, you know, you got maintenance. So, I mean, if you work, you like to work on cars, maybe you like to work on airplanes. We have a, a aviation mechanical school right there in Tulahoma, right next door to the airport where, uh, you go to school for 18 months and then you come out and be an aircraft mechanic. Um, as well as Wednesday is the most important day. I feel like actually is one of the important days where you go get a discovery flight where the students can, you know, fly with the instructor and get a feel for it in that camp. 
Uh, they'll do that Wednesday at the airport. Then Thursday, uh, we get a tour of uh, corporate aviation of FedEx. So they get to see, you know, FedEx is just not cargo airplanes, but it's also corporate airplanes as well, private, you know, airplanes as well. And then Friday, we get a tour of FedEx where they get to see a little bit how FedEx runs and then get to fly the FedEx simulators uh, and see how FedEx pilot trains and then uh, get a chance to pretty much see a FedEx airplane up close. It, uh, it looks, you know, small from airways, airways, but when you get up on it, it's a pretty big airplane. So the camp gives you exposure to all those different career fields and, and give you insight. And also you get to talk to uh, and then probably get a mentor and start networking. And the uh, Solo Academy is, uh, is also coming up as well. Basically take you from zero to hero. So if you ever never had any flight experience and you're a young student in the, in the area where you can go from zero to roughly about 15 hours and it's basically you will be able to not know how to find an airplane to be able to find an airplane by yourself and solo around the airport by yourself within two weeks. That's, mm. That's dope. What's the what's the um, age requirements on it? So you got to be at the solo age, which is uh, 16 years old. <clears throat> so, so that's not good. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so those are the camps that I participated in, you know, when I was in, you know, high school. And so that really gave me some insight and exposure of of um really seeing, you know, as a pilot and and then also, you know, see if I can actually do it. So yeah. So so not only do you get exposed to uh just being a pilot, but you get exposed to a lot of the other professions as well. Absolutely. Because yeah. um, even the aviation, we got our own, you know, medical um, doctors, lawyers, everything, you know, it's, it's, it's in its, its own world. It's not just being pilots and flying an airplane. It's it's a lot more. So many other jobs just to get one airplane in the air. Yeah, that was, that was, that's what I was going to ask, like an air traffic controller. Would that be like the equivalent to a pilot as a nurse or to a doctor? Or how, how does uh, you know how does that work? Or what's the relationship like? Uh, it's a little bit more. Sometimes air traffic controllers, sometimes is the boss. Sometimes because we can't move without their permission, uh, because they're just trying to make sure airplanes don't run into each other. So they try to keep it coordinated as much as possible. So I would say they're more like the the police officer or the the street light, trying to make sure hey, whether you green, yellow, slow down, red, stop all those things to make sure we don't run into each other and that we have a safe pathway uh, to get through the airspace and also on the ground. Yeah. What, uh, I saw, I was reading earlier when I read the article earlier and then I, I did a little bit of research. I saw that there's a OBAP um, conference coming up this August in New Orleans. Will you be attending that? Uh, we'll see. Uh, keeping my fingers crossed, but uh, we'll see if I'll be there. Have you uh, attended one before, though? Oh, yeah, I've attended those before. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's a great time. It's a great time where you see all kind of different, you know, uh, minorities uh, come together and pilots, flight attendants, or people just have a love and passion for aviation. Most of the uh, major airlines there would be there, as well as the regional airlines and the military. Uh, corporate aviation, so companies like Walmart, they would be there. Uh, all these different aviation, different sectors. 
they would be there celebrating and also being having workshops, uh, mentorship, and then just a celebration of, you know, so many years of uh, black excellence coming together in aviation to to also to show, hey, this is what we're becoming, uh, taking advantage of the opportunities, sponsorships, scholarships, and, you know, being very thankful and grateful that, you know, we can all come together. Uh, each, each year we're in a different city uh, holding conferences. So uh, we used to have one in Memphis, and I think we're, uh, we had one in Memphis back in 2010. I think we're coming back to Memphis either next year or the year after that. Good information. No. Jeffs, um, I'm not going to hold you too much longer, um, but I wanted to ask um, five to 10 years from now, uh, where where is Jeff Mabry? <laughs> uh, man, that's that's a tough question. Um, of course, you know, still uh, hopefully still being at FedEx and everything is going well with that. Um, man, honestly, Five years now, man, probably, hopefully, you know, uh, captain, international captain, man, flying all over the world. Um, man, hopefully, uh, you know, probably, you know, maybe start my family by then or, or a little bit before. Uh, um, really, you know, setting the foundation, you know, something for uh, the next generation as well. So hopefully, you know, being in, in a position where I can really, truly uh, helping others uh, get to that to their goals um i think it's very key and important to man to just share that light and have get you know other people exposure you know you can change people's lives just by giving them a glimpse of just a small image or something so it, it don't even have to be aviation it's just something i can just you know hopefully be in that position one day uh to really help other individuals get to where they want to be yeah how old were you on this picture jeff Man, listen, dog. So, <laughs> um, that picture right there is uh, when I was at the Memphis Ace Camp. So, my first intro Discovery flight that we've been talking about was that. So, I was 17 on that picture. Man, you look about 12 on that picture. <laughs> no. For real, right? <laughs> I think I was about 16, 17, and uh, about 27 on this picture here. I came a long way. Came a long way. <laughs> so I was supposed to ask this before Jordan asked about where you see yourself in five years. So I'm with, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, uh, can you, do you have any short-term goals outside of what you just told us about where you may see yourself in five to 10 years as it relates to your profession? Um, probably pick up more on uh, foreign language uh, to be more proficient in uh, in uh, Spanish because um, we do go to certain countries where you know the the common language is English. You know, dealing with aviation, but when you go to different cities, you know, like Mexico and other countries, you know, want to be a little bit more fluent and have an understanding of you know local language and you know there. Um, pretty much is my my next couple goals. Uh, to pick up, take more classes in advance and um, probably sometime maybe start working on my master's, just, you know, be more advanced, be more well-rounded, I would say. Is there a, one other question I had, is there like a, a security clearance requirement for, for pilots or certain pilots? 
Mm, I wouldn't say security clearance. Maybe I don't get too in detail with that, but I would say more like a TSA endorsement that we have. We give to students to make sure that, you know, they get a little, you know, a little background check. But other than that, to say they're 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 training in the U.S., that they're a U.S. student, they're, you know, U.S. citizen. That's pretty much about like that. So, I mean, anybody like that. So if you got a criminal record and stuff like that, it's they're going to they're probably going to check that when you go do your medical. Like, so if you got a felon, you're a felon or something like that, they're going to they're going to pick up on you out here. Yeah, I know, man. I, I was looking that up while we were talking. I was trying to get the miles in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, uh, Jeff, for the kids who may be watching tonight, sitting next to their parents or, or aunts or uncles or whoever, and um, they say, well, I want to be a pilot or a doctor or a lawyer or an astronaut or an air traffic controller, what message would you have for them? It's simple, man. Um I would say this, and I got this from uh, the guy, E.T., Eric Thomas. Hey, if you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. So pretty much looking back at my story, how I was telling that, you know, I had to shut a lot of things down just to get the things that I want done. And it takes, you know, sacrifice. You just sometimes you can't always go out and play or play the video game and watch, you know, LeBron James or John Morant. You know, you just you got to make those sacrifices. And, you know, a lot of people are not going to understand your goal, your vision. They're going to think that you're crazy sometimes that, hey, you got this. But, you know, most of the stuff that's successful today, if you thought of that, it was crazy. So if it's in a good way, if it's keeping you out of trouble, if it's keeping you going, keeping you motivated and you can't sleep at night, that sounds like something that might be your purpose or your calling it. And I would say, you know, stick to it and just keep following that intuition until you get there. Uh, some things you might you might do something, think that, hey, I like this. I'm really good. And this might lead you into a, uh, even something bigger and better. So you never know. Yeah, man. Well, look, man, I think that that pretty much uh, wraps up everything we have for you. Um, any last words uh, before we uh, let you out of here? Yeah, uh, Senator Strong, man. Where were you at, man? I knew it was going to be someone you called Kowal Luff. I knew it was going to be someone. You're going to make me wreck my truck. I can speak. I can say Memphis, man. I don't know. Yeah, so I'll talk about that for a second. So, saying Memphis, you know, a lot of people ask, hey, when you be traveling around, say, hey, where are you from? And you say, hey, I'm from Senator Mississippi. And you always start with that, well, I'm from the Memphis area and stuff like that. And so what happens is, I, you know, after high school, I did live in Memphis pretty much the majority or half of my life. So ever since I was roughly about, you know, 17, I was living in Memphis. But, yeah, I, you know, worked in Memphis and did most of my flight training there and and there. So, yeah, they do. We say Memphis or because I feel like, if you know, say Senatopia, I mean, we pretty much. You know, you get in-state tuition at, you know, University of Memphis. So I always call Senatoga the suburb of Memphis. We went school shopping up there, Third Street, you know, Hickory is on South Line, uh, South, uh, South, I mean, you know. Mall. Yeah, South Line Mall. So we always went up there. So I always go, hey, you know, that's why I guess saying saying Memphis. It's so much easier. Not, you ain't got to explain. I had to explain uh, cold water in the military, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the same thing happened with Trail Kimmins. Uh, his profile said Raymond from when he was going to Hines. Yeah. Instead of Coldwater. 
Yep. Yep. Where you get your hair cut at now, man? For me? Huh? Do you come back uh, to the cold water? No, man. I've been cutting my hair since I was 15. So, um, so man, you know, every now and then I, you know, I went to the barbershop then, but like, say for now, you know, I cut like, you know, other pilots here, they come in town or, you know, just, you know, cause it started, you know, cutting hair on the basketball team. And then you get to college and it's like, man, I can't afford, you know, 12, 15, $20 haircut no more. So, and I had barbers on my mom and dad's side of family. So man, just, yeah, I carry my kit everywhere I go. So I'm always cutting my hair every three or four days, trying to touch it up. I was trying to touch it up today, but I didn't have time, man. I was, I was. I, 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 I didn't know you. I cut my hair too. Both of these guys cut their own hair, so yeah. I got that. Uh, that's what's up, man. That's what's yeah. up. And look, my mine curl a little bit right here, so my line look out, look a little off right now. So yeah, we know, we know you. I don't want to hear it. Give me thoughts. You need a double appointment for that. So we had. Your boy Chris Mallory in the comments. He said you was you, you was talking proper to us. Hey man, I'm caught in the moment, man. Listen, I got this, <laughs> hey, I got this uniform on, but it's, you know I'm always gonna speak me. But man, it's you know what I'm saying having this this uniform on it just. Oh yeah, I, I think it's a typo. I think he meant professional. That's all. It's yeah. A typo. Predict the text. You know how I go. <laughs> <laughs> I just talk educated. That's what that's what I talk about. Yeah. Talk yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff, man, um, can't say thank you enough, man, for taking time out of your schedule to come on and talk. I know uh, we we were working on this for a couple of months, you know, going back and forth trying to get you on. So I'm glad we were able to get you on and uh, just look forward to everything you got, you know, coming up, man. And uh, I'm just – I'm happy I get to be your friend on social media so I can watch from afar. So. Oh yeah, man! Thank y'all for having me, man. Uh, it's good uh, seeing y'all again, man. It, it brings us back home, man. You know, you know, you get to travel, but you know, talk to some people that you know come from the same roots, man. It's always, it's always a good feeling, warm feeling, man. So yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad it all worked out, and um, I'm I'm glad to see y'all doing something great out here in the community. You know, inspiring, having this page, and you know, having exposure on getting people thoughts and opinions and driving this thing forward. So yeah. Y'all doing some some good stuff here, some great work. I, I love it, man. So appreciate yeah. it, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Hey, hey, when you back this way, man, uh, let us know. We'll take you to flights. Okay. You you said fish and chips. Uh, fish and chicken. So Dre, Dre Merriweather and Allison Merriweather, okay. their restaurant flights. Flights. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll take you when you back home. Okay. Sounds good. All right. What well, everybody? That's it. That wraps up. Uh, Cockpit Chronicles tonight with uh, Jeff Mabry, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Appreciate you, Jeff. Appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Appreciate it. I don't know where the music is, Joy. You got it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, fuck you don't stand nigga like me that really do it. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Take it All out to right. me. <laughs> All right, bro. All right. And you don't do it.